It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, October 3rd. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Sunday marked 100 days since the U.S. Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade. Just as California lawmakers attempt to enshrine abortion rights in the state's constitution, Tonight's California Report examines questions over what that would look like. Then California News Service looks into potential wildlife corridors for some of the state's most vulnerable residents. We'll have your local news and weather before KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks to Public Sector Manager for Waste Management, Shivati Karki-Pearl. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. On Friday, the deadline passed for Governor Gavin Newsom to sign or veto hundreds of bills sent to his desk by the legislature. One of the bills he signed will increase cash benefits for hundreds of thousands of working Californians who take time off to care for a sick relative or to bond with a new child. KQED's labor correspondent Farida Javala Romero explains. The paid family leave and state disability insurance programs are funded through a tax on most of the state's workers. The programs generally offer people 60% of their wages for a limited time. But that was too big of a pay cut for Jerry Sandoval when his daughter was born eight years ago. He works in hotel security in San Diego. When my first paycheck got there, I realized it was only 60%. And I was already struggling with 100% of my paycheck. Uh, You know, I had to go back to work very quick, which was very heartbreaking. That experience led Sandoval and other parents to campaign for the state to boost benefit payments so lower-income workers especially could fully use them. And they succeeded, with Governor Newsom signing SB 951 into law. I'm very proud of all the work we have done. Starting in 2025, paid family leave and state disability insurance will pay 70% of people's wages, or 90% for those making less than 57000 a year. L.A. State Senator Maria Elena Durazo introduced the bill. The pandemic reminded us about the value of family, and I'm glad that we're now going to catch up on the reality of what it takes a family to be able to take time off Durazo says she wishes the increases could go into effect tomorrow, and not in the two-plus years it'll take to implement them. Still, she says, it's a great step forward. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala-Romero. When the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade first leaked in April, state lawmakers here in California went to work. They moved forward to place a measure on the November ballot, Proposition 1, that if passed by voters will enshrine abortion rights in the state constitution. But such a constitutional amendment raises questions about fetal viability and whether abortion rights would actually be expanded. In San Francisco, here's KQED health correspondent April Domboski. Mr. Speaker, you may open. Before the final legislative vote on the amendment, one Democrat after another stood up and declared their commitment to women's health, autonomy, and equality. This needs to be enshrined. To enshrine in our state constitution. We must enshrine the right to an abortion in our state constitution. But then Republican Kevin Kiley asked a pointed question. California law generally bars the performance of an abortion past the point of fetal viability. Would this constitutional amendment change that? The legislative chamber went quiet. For a full 30 seconds, Mr. Kiley waited, 
Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon whispered with colleagues. He asked to have the question repeated. Then he declined to respond. I'll answer that question and others in my closing. He never did. Under current California law, abortion for any reason is allowed up to 24 weeks of pregnancy. This is the general definition of viability, the point at which a fetus can survive outside the womb. The constitutional amendment doesn't mention the word viability anywhere. That's why I can't support this constitutional amendment today, because of what's missing from it. Republican Assemblymember James Gallagher says his twin boys were born 10 weeks early. They were alive and they were people. Without explicit time limits on abortion, Gallagher says the constitutional amendment gets the balance wrong between the rights of the mother and the baby. It says nothing about their rights. Throughout debate of the amendment in Sacramento, there were several awkward moments when proponents seemed confused by the language of their own bill. They appeared to walk it back and scrambled to answer questions about viability. But doctors like Pratima Gupta, who were involved in drafting the law, say there was no mistake here. The word viability was left out on purpose. Every pregnancy is individual, and it's a continuum. She says people come into pregnancy with a range of pre-existing health conditions. Diabetes, anemia, high blood pressure. They may not have access to good medical care. All of these very nuanced factors determine whether a fetus is viable, not some arbitrary number. For example, if I see a patient who has broken their bag of water at 23 weeks of pregnancy, that doesn't mean that it's viable or not viable. In recent years, at least three other states have removed gestational age limits from their abortion laws, including Colorado, New Jersey, and Vermont. Abortion opponents say if California follows suit by passing Prop 1, women will be lining up for abortions when they're eight months pregnant for no reason at all. The latest research suggests this is a fantasy. There's a very small percentage of abortions that take place at and after 21 weeks. It's about 1%. Elizabeth Nash is a policy analyst at the Guttmacher Institute. She says women seek abortions later because of medical complications and increasingly legal barriers. It may be that they're delayed because there are lots of restrictions they have to comply with. Maybe because they need to travel for an abortion. It may be that they can't get time off of work or that it was a wanted pregnancy and something happened. Even in California, polls show voters get more uncomfortable with abortion the later it gets in pregnancy. But when it comes to Proposition 1, almost three quarters say they're going to vote for it. The politics of viability have changed. Mary Ziegler is a law professor at UC Davis. With the Supreme Court erasing the federal right to abortion and multiple states banning the procedure, she says the vast majority of Californians are not inclined to nitpick. These viability arguments that had obviously been compelling for decades don't land the same way. Ziegler says Prop 1 may ultimately allow abortion at any point in pregnancy, but it will likely be left to the courts for the final interpretation. For The California Report, I'm April Domboski. Support for The California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system. On the web at chcf.org health equity. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, 
whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org. And that is the California Report for Monday, October 3rd. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. Cars and wildlife are not a good combo. New corridors and crossings could drastically mitigate damages from automobile collisions with animals, while helping the state's endangered species. California News Service's Suzanne Potter has more. Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill into law on Friday to require Caltrans to integrate wildlife corridors into its plans as roads are built around the state. Collisions between drivers and wildlife are rampant, with 44,000 reported between 2016 and 2020, and likely many more that go unreported, causing injuries, deaths, and property damage. Mari Galloway with Wildlands Network in Sacramento says animals need to be able to migrate freely especially mountain lions in Southern California. Their inability to move is causing genetic abnormalities and potential local extinctions. But also in Eastern California, we have mule deer corridors, um, which are being severed by some of the major highways through there. Wildlife crossings allow animals to search farther afield for mates, which research says supports genetic diversity. Galloway adds the endangered desert tortoise and the California tiger salamander in particular should also now have a much better chance to survive and thrive. Kim Delfino with the group Earth Advocacy in Sacramento says Assembly Bill 2344 guarantees that Caltrans will now make wildlife corridors a priority. They're going to be planning for it. They're going to be incorporating it into their projects. They're going to be upgrading their highway design manual. And they're going to be identifying areas across the state that are connectivity hotspots that need to be addressed. Seven mountain lions have been found dead on or near the highways of Southern California this year. Support for this reporting was provided by the Pew Charitable Trusts. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Now let's take a look at today's regional news. Gas prices could hit an all-time record high in California this week. Prices have been surging upward, with no clear indication of when they'll stabilize. In one week, California saw a 58-cent per gallon hike on average for regular gas. That stat saw California take first place in the nation's top 10 largest weekly price increases, according to the American Automobile Association. And today, the head of petroleum analysis for Gas Buddy, Patrick DeHane, says the state's record gasoline price could be topped in the next three or four days. The record of $6.43 was set June 14th. Monday's prices for a gallon of regular averaged $6.38. A big reason for the disparity between California and much of the rest of the country is that at least six state refineries are undergoing maintenance, and moving supplies from the east to the state is difficult, according to the American Automobile Association. Quote, This is really a regional thing, and it really centers around maintenance. Globally, the price of a barrel of oil is below $80 a barrel. That's lower than it's been since January. So when you look at these things overall, the recipe is out there for cheap gas. This really has to do with maintenance, says John Trainer, an American Automobile Association spokesperson. Trainer says planned maintenance and inspections are scheduled every few years at oil refineries after the summer months. 
However, this year, those routine procedures overlap with unplanned maintenance at other refineries throughout the state. This results in oil refineries being taken offline completely or working on limited supply. California motorists pay taxes on gasoline that are among the nation's highest. The state tax jumped to 53.9 cents a gallon in July. In January, the American Petroleum Institute found that when the 18.4 cents a gallon federal tax and other taxes and fees are included, state drivers pay more for taxes at the pump than in any other state. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. Three candidates for the Nevada Union Joint High School District Board of Trustees will host a student listening session from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on Sunday, October 9th at Nevada County Media in Grass Valley. The three hosting candidates are campaigning for three separate districts within the NJUHSD territory. They include Ken Johnson for South County's Area 5, Olivia Pritchett for Nevada City, North San Juan, and Camptonville's Area 1, and Wendy Willoughby for Grass Valley's Area 2. Quote, The people that are most affected by school board policies, but are the ones with the least input, are the students. Sometimes it's important to just listen, says Ken Johnson in reference to the event's purpose. The three candidates say all students are welcome to join the October 9th event for an open discussion and thoughtful reflection on how to improve the high school experience in Nevada County. We've got a Caltrans traffic update for you. Caltrans is alerting State Route 174 motorists to expect one-way traffic control beginning today, October 3rd, for continued tree removal work in Placer County. Beginning today, October 3rd through Friday, October 7th, between 7 a.m. and 5 p.m., motorists should anticipate travel delays and one-way traffic control from the Placer-Nevada County line at the Bear River Bridge to Rollins Lake Road. Turning our attention to your local weather forecast from the National Weather Service and air quality data from purpleair.com. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 55. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 81. Current air quality is good with the day's average AQI around 20. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 41. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 74. The current air quality is good, with an AQI average of 21. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 57. Tuesday, partly sunny with a high near 87. Current air quality is good, with an AQI average of 22. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Have you been experiencing missed recycling or garbage pickups? KVMR's Felton Pruitt discovers what's behind waste management's delayed services up ahead. We're talking with Shivati Karki-Pearl. She's the public sector manager for waste management in our area. Thank you for talking with us, Shivati. Thank you for having me on. I know there's been some staffing challenges lately, especially with uh, the recycling issues. Like out in my neighborhood, I live off of McCourtney, and I know I think two out of the last three or four times, we've been delayed a few days. Uh, Can you talk about your staffing shortages? Yes. So as it so happened, under some very unique circumstances through the summer uh, going into now, over a period of time, we had uh, drivers um, go into various 
what we call state protective leaves. These are leaves that are legitimate due to injuries, illness, personal issues, etc. And uh, as they would come back, more would go out. And at the peak, we had about 60% of our drivers out. So we needed to hustle not only in continuing to hire and over hire, but also uh, reaching out to our other jurisdictions that WM uh, serves in and get drivers to come and fill in while they could or uh, based on their availability. And we had our own district manager and routing route manager also on truck driving to get to meet, you know, all our service pickups and requirements. Um, so you did mention recycling being uh, carried over. When uh, this happened, obviously, our first priority based on the type of material is always to pick up the trash because our solid waste as we call it, which is your can that has items that are perishable to trucible. So that needs to be picked up. And then that meant that at some times when we didn't have time to complete the route, then the recycle would get the term we use is carried over. So typically what we try to do is for some reason, if we didn't get to your trash, it would be picked up the very next day, no longer than that. And then the recycle would be, we started working Saturdays. Uh, Typically, we don't work Saturdays except on some commercial routes. But the drivers started working overtime and on Saturdays. And in some cases, Sunday uh, as well to catch up with the recycling and green waste that were carried over. The good news now is that two things. One is we have... Some of our drivers are coming back and we've also started hiring so that we can have excess of staff at any given time uh, beyond the few relief drivers that we always have. So that's going on and we're still looking for more if people want to apply. And then um, the other thing is we did make the hard decision last week to commingle materials if need be so that people wouldn't have to be waiting. So our new strategy is we'll pick up everything on a timely basis, make the call when it's needed to commingle materials, uh, of course, on a very temporary basis, and then, you know, continue our hiring to make sure we're way overstaffed. If somebody wanted to uh, apply, how would they apply to be a driver? Oh, thank you for asking. So, yes, they can apply at wm.com forward slash careers. You'll get a search box. You just put Grass Valley in there. The positions will come up. We're offering a very lucrative bonus for those who apply. I was getting emails, too, telling me when you would come by and get our, our recycling. So those were very helpful. Um, I'm glad you found it helpful. And in fact, one thing we want to do is encourage everybody to sign on for notifications because we found that when we carry over or miss your pickup, we send a notification out. But if you are not opted in and you completely opt out or haven't chosen to log on, then you may miss that notification. How would somebody opt in? So it's very easy. You go to wm.com, create a login, and once you have an account, you have 
notification, your personal notification section, and there's a choice of four or five different types of notification you may choose to receive all the way from billing to service to other items. And you can just pick and choose. For me, myself, I put my phone so I get a text message. Waste management in Nevada County has not gone to mixed organics yet. Uh, what is the time frame for when that might happen? So that is dependent upon our local infrastructure. Our transit station needs to be able to accept mixed organic waste. And the specific requirement is they need a covered tipping floor, which we don't have currently. Nevada County, the McCourtney Road Transit Station plans, I think, have been already completed and approved by the Board of Supervisors, and they're planning to put bids out soon in order to um, get the project started. I would say once they get the bid out and get somebody on board, it would probably take another year and a half from there. Uh, there is a website online, the Courtney Road Transit Station, which shows project update timelines, etc. We've been talking with Shivati Karki Pearl. She's the public sector manager for our local waste management here in Nevada County. Thank you for all your information, Shivati. Thank you very much for having me on, Felton. That's our newscast for this Monday, October 3rd. Visit us online at kvmr.org and on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners, carrying remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support, serving Northern California counties and San Francisco to Lake Tahoe, milkmancompany.com and Solmbaros and Audiology Associates Hearing Center, connecting the Nevada County community to the sounds of life, offering holistic hearing health care, including hearing tests, earwax removal, hearing aids, and counseling. More information at grassvalleyhearing.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Tuesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.